Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. Welcome once again to Now Church. Glad that you're here today. It is a great time to be together. And I know a lot of the teachers have been chomping at the bit because this is, um, this is spring break. Now, the students are chomping too. But I come from a family, my parents were both teachers. And I'll just tell you a little secret behind the scenes. The teachers need it more than the students. And so, and if you're a homeschooler, you, your parents need it too. Anyway, so we're really hoping everybody gets a good break this week. I know uh, some people on the road, some people here, but it is great to be together. Can you believe we get winter again? It's the week before spring. We get winter again. I, I, li- I like a little burst of coolness, uh, but uh, I'm ready for beach season, to be honest with you, to me. <clears throat> anyway, we're going to get right into the inerrant, the inspired, the infallible word of the living God that's able to change us and save us today. Um, we're starting with Ephesians chapter 1, starting verse 19 from the message. And this is, um, this is the passage just after open the eyes of our understanding, okay? So this is, this is what God wants to open our eyes of understanding and revelation to, okay? Ephesians 1 said this, verse 19. Oh, the utter extravagance of his work in us who trust him. Endless energy, boundless strength. That's the title of today's message. Endless energy, boundless strength. All this energy issues from Christ. God raised him from death and set him on a throne in deep heaven in charge of running the universe, everything from galaxies to governments. No name and no power exempt from his rule. And not just for the time being, but forever. He's in charge of it all. Has the final word on everything. At the center of all this, Christ, the anointed one in his anointing, rules the church. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts, goes into action, by which he fills everything with his presence. Let me say that part again. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts, by which he fills everything with his presence. Everything with his presence. How? the church. John chapter 6 verse 11 shows us one of the great miracles of Jesus. Verse 11 says this, Jesus took the loaves. When he'd given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down. And likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. So when they were filled He said to his disciples, now gather up the fragments that remain so nothing is lost. Therefore they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. Verse 14, then those men, excuse me, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, this is truly the prophet, the Messiah, 
who was to come into the world. When they saw that miracle power, they knew it was him. Let's pray together one more time. Father God, would you open the eyes of our heart? Grant us that we can take hold and understand your word and apply it to our lives to be moved into action. In Jesus' name, amen. We began talking last week in our new series, Live Wire. We began talking about the power of God in a fresh way. What we call the anointing of the Holy Spirit has been portrayed by some as something spooky or mystical, something elusive or exclusive for a special group of gifted preachers, thereby trying to put a fear in God's own people of receiving his presence and his power and fullness. Problem is, that's just not true. The anointing of the Holy Spirit is available for every single follower of Jesus Christ. And while many are still feeling the effects of post-COVID complacency, the Lord is wanting to strengthen and energize his body. Without a doubt, everything crazy going on in the world today is a call to action for the people of God. We live in a time of intense spiritual warfare. Everything you see going on in the natural is going on in the spirit realm first. In fact, in more reality, the cause and the roots of a lot of things you see and feel have a spiritual root. They have a spiritual backstory in the invisible realm, and we as the body of Christ are supposed to be able to discern that and move with God. COVID should have been a wake-up call to those who can discern the heart and voice of our Heavenly Father that there may be perilous times ahead. Proceed with caution, not fear, but just being awake, not woke. The great news, I'm sensing a fresh momentum for a rising tide. Another wave of Holy Ghost power, while the world is weary, running out of steam and answers, I believe with all of my heart, the tide is turning. And we always say around here, a rising tide lifts all the boats. Battleships and cruise ships, down to kayaks and rubber rafts. And I don't mean things will become too easy. I just mean <clears throat> that as God moves and the Holy Spirit moves through the church, the tide is rising and we will see a tsunami of revival. One of the greatest mistakes certain governments, local, national, and international, <clears throat> and leaders made during the pandemic was a horrible assumption that the social and spiritual needs of people were unimportant, thereby relegating the church of Jesus Christ to, if you'll remember, non-essential status, to put God on the sideline. Remember the argument two years ago this week? Essential versus non-essential workers during the first lockdown to flatten the curve. Just 15 days of sacrifice by staying at home and everything will be peachy keen. 
Everything will be easy. And we'll all get through it together. The problem was some cities and states even tried to vilify the church as the cause of the spread of COVID. Making ridiculous rules against gathering in services and even singing songs of worship and praise. Super spreader events, they were called. One headline in California said, churches want to kill people. Look crazy. Strange thing. Apparently somebody forgot to tell God that his people were, were not essential. That his church was supposed to be just religious boxes that we no longer needed in a modern age. That we should all be able to just get along if it wasn't for those pesky Christians. And his word is clear. At the very center and core of the way things actually work in the universe, Ephesians 1 in our text says that Jesus, the anointed one, rules and reigns and is king of his church and through his church. We say around here, life works best when God is first, and that means when God is worshiped. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added is, a, is, a, is an understanding that God is working, that, that God works through our worship. Central core of all this in the text, it says, Christ rules the church. Then the church is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts, by which he fills everything with his presence. My friends, the greatest living organism on earth isn't what we thought. It's his gathering together of called out ones to action, the ecclesia, the church, People want to relegate church to an organization and not a living organism. But we can't be put in a box even if we were in our houses for six weeks and other places for six months and other places just are having their first worship services after two years. I wanted to find the word peripheral from the dictionary. Peripheral means relating to or situated on the edge or fringe of something. Secondary or of minor importance. Marginal. The problem is the Bible says we fill everything with his presence. The church fills everything with his presence. We're the diffuser of his fragrance, the hands and feet of Jesus. Just when they think we're on the peripheral, just when they think they've marginalized. Listen, let me ask you a question. Do you think the COVID pandemic marginalized Jesus? <clears throat> Did it put him on a fringe of some extreme? 
or of secondary or minor importance? (laughs) No, it didn't. Or did it relegate his church into obscurity? It didn't. My friends, the anointing of the Holy Spirit is the most essential power on earth. The most essential power on earth lives in you and wants to be revealed through you. This isn't a Sunday morning exercise where we just come in and hear a lecture and go do our own thing feeling like we did our religious duty. If that's what it's become to you, you miss the boat and you misunderstand who God is and why Jesus went to the cross. We used to call our electric bill or our power bill, the light bill. Years ago, when oh, did, did you pay the light bill? It was more than lights. Now it's way more than lights. But I still sometimes find myself talking about the light bill. When you have a power outage, there's darkness. And Jesus said in his word, Matthew 5, verse 14 from the message of this, here's another way to put it, Jesus said, you're here to be the light, the power source, the electricity, the energy, bringing out the God colors in the world. Because God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? Relegate you to the periphery, put you in a place of obscurity where no one can see, do you? No. I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. My friends, God's light cannot be snuffed out or relegated by anyone or anything because it's his light. It's not ours. We don't own it. We just carry it. His power, whether you know it or not, in you provides light for those dwelling in darkness. On your job, in your neighborhood, people you bump into, and even walking outside. His power in you provides the energy that people are looking for that they right now don't feel. People who don't know God don't realize what you provide them. You provide a torch in a pitch black cave, a navigation system for those that are lost and don't know where they're going. Jesus is the light of the world, but now in his sermon on the Mount and other points, he says, but now you're the light. You are the light of the world. You're a city on the hill. Let your light therefore shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Light up. Be filled fresh with that power. We've all heard the phrase, 
There's light at the end of the tunnel. I'm telling you, we live in a generation where people are desperate to see it. For every season, for every moment, whether it's the pandemic or now the war in Europe, people are frightened. They don't know how to frame it. They don't know what to think. But God already holds it in his hands and knows the end from the beginning. And no one will displace him. No one will stop him except us. If we don't let him be God in us and through us, then we've turned the lights off for people dwelling in darkness. There is light at the end of the tunnel. His light provides hope. The strength to keep going that people desperately need. Right now, people are searching for hope. Keep, they keep trying, they keep reaching, but the only hope is Jesus. <clears throat> in the feeding of the 5,000, the miracle listed in our text in John chapter six, we know from scripture that this was 5,000 men, but many of their wives and children were with them. This was probably 15 or 20,000 people. The feeding of the 5,000 is the only miracle recorded in all four gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all wrote about this miracle. We've said many times in Hebrew, there is no punctuation, there's no exclamation. There's no, they don't have all these grammatical laws. When, you, when God wanted to say something, when Jesus said, I say to you, it was one level. When he said, verily I say to you, it was another level. If he said, verily, verily I say to you again, you better listen. When something like this was in all four gospels, it means it carries a whole lot of punch. Clearly God's exclamation point, you need to know this happened. And there's reasons for it. And the numbers, I, did, I, I read it again in all four gospels this week in my studies, and the numbers are absolutely consistent. 5,000 men, five loaves, two fish, and everyone ate as much as they wanted. They didn't each eat a crumb and get full. Some people eat like birds, and some people like to eat the whole chicken. Okay? And God doesn't say, that's wrong. He let everybody eat till they were full. And then, only them did Jesus say, now let's see and gather up the, the fragments. Let's get the leftovers because nothing in God is wasted. Now it's interesting because I did this study because I happened to read the Matthew version and I read about 4,000 with seven loaves of bread and two fish. And I said, who? I need to, wait a minute. I thought 5,000 was in there. Matthew and Mark both record a completely separate event at nearly the same time, the feeding of 4,000 with seven loaves and a few little fish. That's more than two. And they took seven big baskets of leftovers. The only difference, 
was which side of the Sea of Galilee that these two events took place. One was on the Jewish side, and one was on the Gentile side. The miracle of the 4,000 turns out to be near Decapolis, on the other side where the man of Gadarenes was. Really interesting that God provided and showed his same miracle in a different way to the Gentiles who were thought to be lost forever and excluded from God's love. We were never excluded, were we? John's account out of the four gospels of the feeding of the 5,000 is a little more personal. <clears throat> he mentions specifically Philip, that Philip comes to Jesus and says, what are we gonna do? These people are hungry. And Jesus said, you feed them. And the Bible says he said to Philip, you feed them, because he knew what he was gonna do. He just wanted to see, he was testing Philip, the Bible says. He wanted to see Philip's reaction. And Philip said, well, <laughs> if we spent... $10,000, we couldn't feed all these people. John also brings up that it was Andrew. Remember I told you last week, Andrew was the bringer. He brought his brother Simon to Jesus to introduce. He brought his brother. He was also a bringer. He brought the little boy to Jesus. He was a bringer. And he brought the little boy to Jesus and said, look, I found a little guy over here. He's a young lad with five loaves of bread and two fish. That's enough for a filet of fish from McDonald's. But what are they among so many? And of course, John's account, he talks about that little boy. It's more personal. The eyewitness accounts of these miracles tell us a lot about God, and I'm gonna finish with this. Number one, Whatever resource you get into the hands of God, he can multiply. Whatever you get in the hands of Jesus, he is the source. He's the life giver. He's the provider. Jehovah Jireh, you can trust him. You can trust him with your lunch or your dinner or resources of any and every kind. He fed 15,000 plus people with five loaves of bread and two fish. He's a multiplier. Number two, the miracle of multiplication is always, always, always in the distribution. The Bible said Jesus blessed it, prayed over it. Then he broke it. Then in John's gospel, he said he distributed it to the disciples. And through those disciples, they sat the people down in groups of 50 or 100, according to the Gospels, in an orderly manner, in other words. He sat them down in groups, and then the disciples fed them. And in the breaking of that, in the distribution of that, at the moment Jesus received its five loaves of bread and two fish, But as he hands it out and gives resources to each of his disciples and they give it out to the people that they're feeding, it multiplies. God can take you're not enough and make it more than enough. 
but you got to trust him for the distribution. The problem is we, don't, we like the blessing, we don't like the brokenness. He blessed it, he broke it, he distributed it. We like the blessing, we don't like the breaking. And the distribution happens through you and through me. No one can do everything, but everyone can do something. Right? When it comes to needs in the world. Number three, the greatest lesson of this, Jesus tells us afterward. Jesus is the bread of life. He is that living bread. He is the essential daily nourishment. Jesus is, not has, the bread of life. In Europe right now, there are kingdom miracles happening every day. The church of Jesus in Europe has been relegated to the periphery for a hundred or more years, much more than in America until recently. Right now, Pastor Zibi, our dear friend in Poland, told me on Thursday that government officials in Poland have contacted him and said that they have realized that somehow the church is better equipped to help move goods and resources in and out of Ukraine better than anyone else. And the government is asking the evangelical church of Jesus Christ in Poland, a Catholic nation, for help. I've spoken to my friends in Slovakia, in Hungary, I've seen what our friend Pastor Bobby is doing in Bulgaria. We went a few years ago. Pastor Bobby has been back into Ukraine on four or five trips now. This past week, he brought five pastors' families out into Plovdiv, Bulgaria, where we were, and is now housing them and taking care of them. That's Pastor, his name is Bojidar, but he says, call me Bobby. You know how far Bulgaria is from Ukraine? You have to go through two or three other countries to get there. He's been driving in. When people don't know how to get in or out, the church of Jesus is finding a way because Jesus is alive and his hands and feet are moving into action and they're no longer sitting on the bench on the sideline relegated. The government, the government, the, go- the European government that has been so against the church and thought we were irrelevant in the periphery, no need for them anymore. We just have empty cathedrals that are 500 years old. My friends, this is part of revival. And God is restoring his church in power. When Paul the apostle makes an audacious claim, he was simply confessing over himself what God is telling us today. I can do all things through Christ 
the anointed one and his anointing which strengthens and energizes me with his endless energy and boundless strength. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your holy word. Father God, thank you. Your word says in Micah and in Isaiah, an identical passage that says in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house will be established in the top of the mountains and all nations will flow into it. Lord, raise your church worldwide and local out of the periphery of the God despisers or the ignorant and the lost. Raise up your church to glorify Jesus, to carry the torch into this hurting and broken world. Come Holy Spirit, fill us with that endless energy and that boundless strength. We need it. We need you. Living water, pour upon us. Living fountain of light and life. Jesus, pour out your spirit again upon this place and every person that hears the sound of your voice through me. Let your word go forth in power. Turn the light on every place we walk this week, every place we speak this week. Let your light shine. Help us to glorify your name. Forgive us for angry words or bitter words or things people have heard us say in our fleshly moments of humanity. Help us instead to live for you. In Jesus' name. Just with your heads bowed and your eyes closed for a moment. Are you part of God's family? I'm not talking about were you raised in church. I was raised in church but didn't know the Lord for a long time. To be part of God's family, it only requires one thing, everything. You trade your life for his life because he traded his perfect sinless life to make you clean, to make you pure, to make you righteous, right standing and right standing with God. And in that moment, you surrender not just to get to heaven when you die, but you surrender to become his hands and feet to a hurting world. If you're here today and say, Pastor, pray for me, I need to know God. Maybe you're watching online. Maybe you're stuck in the rut, the routine of your brokenness. Right now, God wants to restore you, but you have to ask him. You have to ask him. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, pray for me. I, I need this. I, I, I thought this was just about Christianity. No, no, no. 
Jesus didn't come to start a religion. He came to give you life and life more abundantly. The word Christian means little anointed ones, little empowered ones, empowered by the one, the only life-giving source, Jesus himself. If you're here today, I wanna pray for you right now. Father, would you reveal Jesus in this place and through this technology? Lord, reveal yourself in such a way that no one can deny the reality of your presence and power. Reveal your strength. Reveal that energy of life to everyone, to whosoever will believe. If that's you, I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand right now. I'm just gonna ask you to pray this with me. Just say, Jesus, come into my life. Change me. Forgive me. Empower me. If you meant that prayer, he's not only able, he's willing. And the Bible says when you pray and ask him, he'll never say no when you're crying out for more of him. In Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us at Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you.